Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanderers of Milisanda for the Accidental Aliens. And I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja in addition to reviewing horror books and horror comics on a co- in a couple places. Uh, KeithRFoster.com, my site, and I also have a review or two up at iHorror.com. Not to be confused with iHorror.com. <laughs> but we had the website conversation already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you do want iHorror.com, go to Kadoja.com. You'll get a, an offshoot of that. And if you want a Korean used car, <laughs> go to, by all means, go to ScottLostComics.com. That's right. Now that we got our far-expired uh, uh, credits out of the way there. So what what were you up to this week? Uh, we're going to be the best advertising for these shitty sites. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we, we talked beforehand or we texted beforehand that we wanted to make the week, um, the week conversation semi on the lighter side and maybe not take up the whole episode with it for a reason we'll get to in a little bit. So for me, I'm just going to focus on one thing I did. And, uh, I have mentioned, I think every episode that there's a third comic that hasn't really gotten much time discussion here, right? I, I write Kadoja. And I write a kung fu comic called Three Protectors, which is still, you know, close to, to being uh, being out there. And then there's a third comic that I'm working on called Animals. I, I haven't been ready to talk about it for a little while, uh, mainly because I wanted to get the new process going. But with Animals, uh, what happened was I was working with an artist, a guy named um, Ed. And uh, not to be confused with with your co-creator or co-writer or writer of the second shift, right. Ed. But um, I've been, I was working with this guy. And uh, and he delivered some some really great pages for a while. And then after that, I started to hear from him less and less. And I understand that things happen. So after waiting a while, I went ahead and decided that I'm going to proceed um, with the with the last half of animals um, in another way. And so with with animals, I think I've mentioned before that it's intended to be right now a story told in 10 chapters. I have roughly six chapters that I can uh, that I can go with so far from Ed and I'm gonna then change gears a little bit for the the seventh through the tenth chapter so um, there will be a time when I share the art for it but uh, Ed used a very painted style and uh, and I think it worked really well I mean if if I'm if I'm comparing him to someone who's amazing, it will remind me of uh, Dave McKeon. I think that's his name, the guy who did a lot of uh, collaborations with Neil Gaiman back in the day. I think he did the Punch and Judy for a while. I think he also did some Sandman's maybe with Neil Gaiman. Okay, this is decades ago, mm-hmm. but uh, he has a very cool. Or, or you could even go with like a uh, a reduced Bill Sienkiewicz or something like that, or a a less clean Bill Sienkiewicz. Bill Sienkiewicz in at his weirdest, mm, um, yeah. which is which is what we're going for with the tone of the book so um so with that what what we have and and what he would do is he would have painted backgrounds and then we would go with these cool kind of sketchy drawings over top of it that were raw and again very emotive Mm -hmm. and i loved it so uh but but with us going in new direction what i'm going to try to do is kind of reverse engineer it a little bit and uh, and the way i'm going to do that is i am going to collaborate with uh with a buddy of mine um albert um, as long as he still wants to keep doing it on on the interiors. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a bunch of photographs. I'm going to stage basically the final couple chapters of the book. 
and I am going to take photographs and then I'm going to run them through Photoshop treatments that I um, am, ex- am experimenting with and doing things with to give it a really cool, um, raw, emotive, uh, hopefully painty kind of background. It won't be the same, but uh, I don't think it'll be an entire ballpark away either. Okay. And then for the pencil drawing portion of it, I am going to uh, ask Albert, you know, Albert and I have already talked about it, that he's going to do some drawings on it and draw the figures and things like that. So I'm optimistic that it's going to, um, you know, kind of replicate that and continue the book well. And, uh, you know, this happens all the time, right? I mean, I've, I've mentioned a bunch of times about how there are midstream artist changes to account for, at least with me. I've, I've had a lot of midstream artist changes. I'm, I'm no stranger to that. And it happens all the time on comics. It, it tends to end with complete arcs, but, you know, sometimes you can't choose that because at this level of comic making, this is generally not people's primary source of income. And, you know, if they get other ways to make money, you're, you're not going to begrudge them that. Um, so... What I've been doing along those lines is I've been taking photographs. I've been thinking of places to take photographs. I've been thinking of interesting angles to take photographs and becoming a bit of a, you know, amateur photographer, I guess, in doing my best to find cool things to take photos of that fit the story because, you know, I'm writing the story and then um, and then go back into the lab and give them some treatments. And I'm happy to say that I've gotten a couple a couple pages done using this idea and, and then what I was also able to do is go back through some more of Ed's pages. And I think I'm actually going to be able to cobble together a, uh, you know, with the story I want to tell, because he did do some interiors to get it through chapter seven. And, and then also kind of um, throw Albert's work on top of it. So this is way, way inside baseball here. But the first four chapters will be all Ed interiors. Uh, chapters five and six, I believe, will be Albert with, uh, sorry, Ed with Albert doing some reworks. And then seven will be a fusion of Keith, Albert, and and Ed, and then maybe eight through 10 will be Keith and Albert. So you, you can see that, you know, that that's going to be a really fun title page to put together when it's all said and done, <laughs> yeah. but it's all good. I mean, it's all in the interest of doing it. And more importantly, I'm putting this stuff together and it, it, I like how it looks and, uh, and, and I like the style of storytelling and, uh, and hopefully people will like it as well once it's out in the world, which will be in a while, but uh, you know, you, you got to keep plugging. And also for the, the mid artist change uh, in, in storyline, I, I find that happens a lot on the independent circuit that, you know, like you were saying, uh, a lot of us, this is our secondary source of income or just a side income. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't even say secondary. Like for me, it, all of my income from comics uh, refuels. Like it, it just like it all it all pays for itself really. And there and then of course there's a, you know, a, a fund you know that I, I'll generate because obviously I'm not spending every single dime that I make off of comics. I make a, a decent chunk of change off of it. Uh, but I like to make sure that it's feeding itself. Um, but yeah, so so artists um, disappear, disappearing off projects is something that happens semi-regularly. Um, hopefully, when you're starting a project, you can find an artist that will commit to the whole storyline. But uh, things come up, you know, uh, yeah. like Rory. Rory's, you know, moved on. He's he's working for, is it Disney? Is he working for Disney? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's huge. That's freaking huge. So, yeah, yeah. And I mean, to your to your point, that happened at the end of the second arc. You know, if if you're 
If you have the individual issues, you'll know this as an issue five thing, volume two, so technically issue 10. Or if you have the trade, then you'll notice that it happens at the end of the trade. But, you know, Rory, it goes from all Rory interior, um, pencils, inks, everything, to Rory pencils with a guy named Jeremiah doing the inks um, to, to pick it up there. And uh, I, was, I was actually really fond of that style, but uh, I couldn't, you know, kind of couldn't get things to work out you, going forward. Do you think most people mm-hmm. recognize the change in art style? Like, since it was all Rory to half Rory, do, do you think a lot of people noticed? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. My, my assumption is that everyone notices. Um, you know, but, but I think there's a difference between noticing and caring, mm. you know? No, notice, yes care in a negative way i don't think so was was it a huge departure from from how he would do his inks over himself i mean it, it well the interesting thing is for for kadoja which by the way is a giant monster meets lovecraft comic we generally don't talk about kind of what we do you you do a great job talking about yours people could not know what the hell kadoja is because <laughs> i never describe what it is not not true i i pitched your book at the end of one of these episodes did it make the final cut though i don't know it did it did <laughs> See, I mean, I'm in like an editing hell where I can't remember what the hell I what was in there and what wasn't. Yeah, some more inside, more inside baseball for our uh, our fan base here is uh, Keith does all the editing. I am just a, a, a art drone. I only know how to create comic books. I don't know how to edit stuff. So you're the talent, man. You're the you're the you lend you lend your dulcet tones to this bad boy. Hey, why did you put quotations when you said talent? I saw that. <laughs> Yeah, you could you could see a hundred miles north. Huh? That's right, right through the telephone line. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm not even sure the Earth curvature allows for that. But, Wait a uh, minute, what curvature? <laughs> Good point. You've been you've been watching Kyrie Irving videos. Yeah, man, I like to um, keep up with my flat earthers out there. <laughs> I'm just kidding, by the way. I'm not a flat earther. Just in case people don't get jokes. Well, I'm not kidding when I can't. I say I can't remember what the hell I was talking about. What were we talking? About? Uh, that you did not edit out that I pitched Kadoja at the end of one of the episodes. Oh, okay, yeah. I think it was four. I think it was episode four. No, that yeah, and that's right. And and the thing I was going to mention here, Rory's art style on its own evolved, right? So Kadoja Volume One is super raw. I have I have seen comparisons out there to the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I think are accurate. Um, it's a little Sam Keithy at his rawest. Yes, you know, I, I, I yeah. use that as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, but then then when we got to the second arc, it was really more a slightly edgy Kadoja meets Batman the Animated Series. Is that the one where he was getting uh, closer to Disney and like? Oh, totally. the, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I, yeah. And you know what? Um, I, I know I talked about this briefly in another one of the episodes, but I believe I have volume two of two of Kadoja. I was looking on my bookshelf and I was like, oh, I do have it. And that's where I remember uh, seeing Rory's art change and, and me saying to you that I actually liked it better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've liked it all. Um, but an interesting thing is that by the time we got to the end of the second arc, again, Rory's obligations caught up with him. So what I had was penciled pages for about the last half of issue five, which is the end of the arc, that uh, that we needed to get something done with. So we got this guy named Jeremiah Lambert, who does great work. And Jeremiah ended up kind of meeting in the middle between volume two and volume one. It's really interesting to look at. It's it's you know Rory. It's it's very Rory in terms of the pencils, but it also just stirs in a little bit more of that rawness that we had in issue one, and was a really interesting compromise okay. for it. So again, do do I think people 
notice that it's different? Probably. Um, but hopefully they don't care or they just make a quick note in their head like I would. I mean, I read a bunch of comics and the art style can change, especially when you get into these big Mondo things like, you know, Batman Black and White or, you know, just Mondo Jam comics mm-hmm. where every artist does four pages. I mean, as long as it's not confusing you, then it's fine. That's that's generally my thing on it. I'm always curious how how much the average comic fan would notice that. Like you notice because you make comics, you know. I notice because I make comics and I'm also an artist. I don't, I don't know that the average comic reader necessarily can tell the difference between one artist inking himself and another art or the same artist having someone else ink him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I could be wrong about yep. that, but I. I think they can't tell, to be honest. I would say I kind of equate this to making music in that as a musician, it's very easy to get caught up in what the 1% of people who really, really know their shit think about your stuff. You know what I mean? Right. They might be, you know, like if I'm putting sampled horns on a track, I know that somebody out there is going to be like, oh, those are just sampled horns. But you can't make music for those people. You know, like that's, yeah, I, I'm not here to outsmart the 1%. I'm not even here to outsmart the other 99. You're just here to make stuff that you like. Mm-hmm. People may not have the vocabulary to understand, but every comic reader is going to know if it doesn't work, right? Like if, if all of a sudden the art style changed to like, you know, a strawberry shortcake style color animated thing, you would notice that. Right. Or or if it changed to some other dramatic style. Um, oh, yeah, de- definitely a too. dramatic style. But uh, as far as the same artist with a different inker, it, it might not resonate uh, with with the general public. Um, I know yeah, I know yeah, myself I mean, for writers and, and I don't know how bad this sounds, but up until quite recently, I couldn't tell many writers apart. I, I would listen to podcasts and they would be like, oh, this definitely sounds like so and so's voice. The only person that I could really tell who was writing it was Bendis. I was like, oh, this guy is very witty and, and well, all the characters in the book are very witty and they're sm- like smart aleck and quick whips and uh, quips and all that stuff. So I can see that. But then there's, you know, almost anyone else. I was like, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you which writer this was. An art style changing dramatically or getting worse or just being a wildly different is something that's very easy to notice. Writing, as long as if it's wildly different, you're going to notice it. But that's, you know, none of this stuff is ever wildly different. Right. But where I will notice writing is it might take a couple issues before I'm all of a sudden like, you know, I'm not as excited about this comic as I was. And um, that sort of happened. Speaking of Bendis, who, that's also my answer to someone who's very distinctive where you could read like a page of it and know it's him. Mm-hmm. He did a killer run on Daredevil. And then after that, it went to somebody else, and I can't remember who it was. But it took a little while, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Boy, this isn't just isn't doing it for me." And then you notice there's a different writer on the book, and you're like, "Ah, okay." Oh, that's interesting. I, I wouldn't have. I'm not sure everyone's process on on why they pick up certain books. Like I know I pick up a lot of books based off of one review, and then two artists, if not the other way around. You know, first artist, then review. So like I I'll I'll pick up a book if the art is one of my favorite artists or the art's really good, but uh, I will not pick up a book if the art is not my style 
and the writing is so-so. Like, I have to have a review of someone saying, this book is really good. I really enjoy it for these reasons. And if I look at the mm-hmm. art, but I know that review, uh, and like, let's say I'm not a huge fan of the art, I might still pick the book up. So I, I didn't know that was uh, how, how you as a writer would, would kind of like not even notice the writer changed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to just say in, in comics the art is overvalued and the writing sometimes is undervalued, right? Or also depends on the time, uh, the time frame. Like after the nineties boom, the, so the nineties was all artists. It, I mean, image comics, the, the comic company is called image, you know? So it's just like, yeah, yeah it, it's all about the art. You can find, you know, your buddy down the street who doesn't know how to write comics. If you can have him write your comic, if you're a, a, a 10 star artist, you know what I mean? But yeah. Uh, in the aughts, the early aughts, it was all about the writer, you know, and so it was is actually the opposite. And I think it's finally coming to a balance in a way where, you know, it was overly valued one way or the other, artist or writer. And now I think it's a combination of both. It's like, well, is your art good? Okay, it's 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 you know acceptable or it's top quality. And who's the writer on it? You know, so I I think it's finally balancing out. Yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to push through an analogy here that may or may not work, but there's a famous adage in the recording industry called "You can't polish a turd," right? <laughs> so, in other words, if, if if the song sucks, then there's only so much fancy production you can really put around it, right? right? Yeah, I think that's and a I universal. Think, by the way, I think that's a universal. Oh, okay. Uh, expression. Okay. Yeah, you can't polish a turd. But the interesting thing about comics is, in my opinion you can actually get away with a slight turd if the art looks great. Because if you question a story, you're going to stay with it for a little while on the chance that it's going to get better. Unless the writing is awful, and very little writing out there is awful that makes it to, into a comic book. You know what I mean? Like, like there's a bar. Right. You know, you, you can't just write something terrible. So most of the writing, when it's bad is going to fall on the flat side where after a few issues, you just realize this isn't doing it for me. Right. You can ride that, you know, for a little bit and get kind of um, pulled into a book that may not be that great just because the art totally grabs you. Totally. You know, again, comics are a visual medium. I, I get it. Yeah, I, I was reading Battle Chasers, you know, when when that book was coming out, and I'm not a fantasy guy, not as far as, as reading goes. Like, I'm... I'm just not into reading fantasy books, but Joe Matarera was so amazing that, yeah, I'm going to read Battle Chasers. It's like, I, I don't know that I cared about the story, but I love looking at it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm currently reading a book. I, I'm not going to say the book because, you know, like we're in the industry, so I'm not I'm not going to crap on people. But uh, it, it's strange because the art is serviceable at best. The writing is very clumsy, but I like the story. I like the idea of the story. And uh, I have the first three issues. I picked them up in a dollar bin. I actually, I think I donated blood last year. And um, if you donated blood at SoCal Comics at this certain time of year, um, instead of the the dollar books being dollar books, they became quarter books. So if you donated blood, you get books for quarters. So I was like, well, I get to donate blood and help help out the blood banks. And I get 25 cent comic books? Okay, yeah, that's that's a no brainer to me. So... This was one of those books that I picked up. It's from a third-party company. I don't call... So Marvel DC are the big two, right? Those are corporate comics. Um, I don't consider IDW, Image, Boom, Dynamite, Oni. Like, those aren't indie comics. 
those aren't independent comics. Those are that's third party comics. Like the idea that Todd McFarlane draws in indie books is insane to me. It's it's not an indie book. It's a it's a third party comic. Like what you and I do. That that's indie comics. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that might be a little bit of a. I mean, I I'm I'm sort of there with you, but I almost wonder if it's it's us being a little holier than that. No, not at all. Not not at all. I I thought I thought that. I thought that before I was making comics. I thought that when I was a kid. Yeah? Yeah. When I was a teenager, I'm like, how is this company uh, indie comic? It's not an indie com- like it's it's guy indie comics are guys trying to figure it out and coming up on their own. When you're an image, you're not on your own. When you're on in Dynamite and Boom, IDW, you're not on your own. You have a company that's backing you. Like Valiant has Chinese investors. That's not indie. Mm. That's not indie comics. Yeah. If you have investors, yeah. if you have a company behind you, you're not an indie comic. I'm sorry. It's just it's not how, you know, what two one five is indie indie. I would say, because you guys aren't you don't have corporate investors, right? As far as I know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hashtag indie as fuck. Right. So you know it's it's like okay there are degrees to this, but um, you can't tell me I, you can tell me it, and I'm just not going to believe you. But Image, Valiant, Boom, IDW, Dark Horse, those guys aren't indie, you know? And it's not being holier than thou. It's just, it is what it is to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I, again, I'm there. It just, it reminds me of that episode of South Park, which is my favorite episode, by the way, with the underpants gnomes. Underpants Have you seen gnomes. that one? No. Oh, God. Maybe? It's so amazing. I don't know. It sounds vaguely yeah, familiar. It's Tweak. It's it's Tweak. I think Tweak is either the last name of the spazzy kid that sees the underpants gnomes. Okay. But he's he's a guy who owns a local coffee shop, and it ends up being this whole thing about how Harbucks Coffee is coming in and driving the little guy out. And, you know, I don't think it takes any reach to figure out who the hell that is. But, like, you know, Starbucks started as one coffee shop. You know what I mean? And And I get that they're the machine now but there is something in the back of my head that says if you start with a good product as an indie and then make it big you still retain some indie cred okay um i see what you're saying i see what you're saying but apple amazon that started out of a guy's garage are they indie you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, it's not dude, the same. It's, it's again. I you, you, there's a, there's a degree. There's a degree, and then it's over. How about that? I, let's I, let's I meet am, in the I middle. I refuse to speak ill. I refuse <laughs> to speak ill of our planetary overlord Jeff Bezos. I love Amazon. I just ordered two art portfolios off of Amazon. I'm not going to shit on them. I love supporting local business, but at the same time, I make comics. Like I I can't be affording expensive stuff man i'll cut corners where i can you know but if uh you know comes to eating out i'll I'll try to look for a local you know something like that but anyway i hear you we've been we've been on this topic for a while which it's not a problem but um i that's fine we're we're definitely we're definitely not going to get to our second part so we'll just kick that okay cool all right i was thinking that same thing okay so we we promised i think a couple episodes we were going to start talking about what we were reading so that was part of today's agenda it was uh we both of us had had lighter weeks as far as production goes so we were going to take up the majority of the episode giving you guys what we were reading so we're going to be pushing that again since uh you know we went down the rabbit hole like we usually do which is fuck it yeah, yeah we're, dude we're just blowing it out of the water it's it's fine it's fine yeah i'll, I'll take i'll take a good conversation anytime you know so no it is it is interesting but anyway we do what know, we want uh, here we, we, we whatever was on the books we write the fucking books we're we're rewriting the books so don't worry about it 
<laughs> we'll tell you what you're getting this episode, not the other way around. <laughs> we we set the menu. That's right. Right. <laughs> and we make the decisions here. We're Amazon so, so coming anyway. out of the, the basement. And now we're the corporate structure, and we're going to fucking give you what we tell you. You sold platinum around the world. I sold wood in the hood. <laughs> so I don't, even, I don't even know if that's relevant or not. I don't care. But I like it. Uh, Pharaoh I got to make a Pharaoh Monch reference, and that makes me happy. So, um, But yeah, man, that was, that was it. I mean, that was, that was uh, all my week was was just framing animals and pushing through it a little bit more. And uh, there's going to be more of that. So, you know, we'll see where my fancy takes me in terms of doing work uh, this coming week. But uh, I'm, right now I'm in that space where I'm going to keep on working on animals a little bit. Nice. Which brings us to you. So what did uh, you work on this week? So the Epic Saga, that is uh, the second shift, Drawtober slash uh, issue 11, it's not completely in the books, but it's kind of in the books. So uh, the last... What is the flatting done? <laughs> the flatting is finally done. Uh, no, I actually okay. I got all of the pages back from my colorist. There was uh, an issue that I didn't see when I uh, until I started lettering the book and just... You know, after the first draft, I started going through it with a, you know, uh, fine tooth comb, and I saw some errors on the coloring, and it was just a character's costume that needed adjustments, and so I got those back, and so the 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 art is completely done, the flatting's done, the coloring or the coloring's done, and uh, the lettering is now done. So, I uh, from where we last left off, I had sent the first draft over to my writer. And uh, he had given me back some notes, and so I met in the middle, did some adjustments, a little bit of what he said, and, uh, you know, I I transcribed it into something more me, uh, or somewhere in the middle, or, or I just took his, his corrections straight up, you know, um, Ed does a killer job, so... Um, we met in the middle on a lot of stuff, and um, there was a joke in there that Ed is not a fan of. I think it's hilarious. Uh, maybe not hilarious, but I think it's funny. So uh, I sent it over to my editor, um, David Louch. He's, he edits all of my books. Uh, he's a buddy since uh, junior high. You know, he he wrote me a story in, let's see, Tales of the Mothership, which is another, Tales from the Mothership, which is a, another accidental alien title. It's kind of like a, a catch-all title for sci-fi, horror, etc. And uh, so we did a story in there. So he was the writer on that one. Anyway, so I sent it over his way to get another set of eyes on it. You can never have an, uh, enough set of eyes um, looking at looking at the script. So sent it over his way after the fourth draft. And um, yeah, he's going to give it a look over. And if there's anything that he sees, um, he doesn't think the joke's funny, you know, maybe we'll do a rewrite. Maybe not. You know, whatever. Um, yeah, I hear you. I mean, gen- generally, when I turn things over to other people, it, it it almost seems like a truism of the universe that the thing that I am obsessed about gets ignored and it turns out that I totally missed the mark and there was something I should have been paying attention to that I wasn't. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like uh, you're uh, you're going to be obsessed about this joke and it like it, odds are it won't even get commented on, but you'll get comments on some other thing and you're like, "Oh. Oh yeah." Right. <laughs> you know, like Yeah, exactly. Just, it's I mean, and when I, I workshop other people, it. it's like that too. You know, like they'll they'll ask a couple specific questions sometime at the beginning of their workshop. Yeah. And then as I read through it, I'm like, 
you know, to your questions, yes and yes, but my two big notes are about entirely different things, <laughs> you know? So anyway, it's just, it's crazy the way that works sometimes. Yeah, I, and I wouldn't even, you know, set any, I like the joke, but Ed, Ed had pointed it out on the, the last go-through. You know, so uh, to hop all the way back to the first episode when you were talking about your scripts and I was just wondering where you thought the script was and then you kind of, it gets bounced back and forth or whatever. So I find this to be true with uh, mine and Ed's process. I would say the fourth the fourth draft is usually the final draft. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so because I did my initial run. And then he came back with adjustments. So that was two. And then I met in the middle for three. And then he gave one more review. One more like, okay, um, I see what you did here. Maybe you need to add this word though because of this reason. Um, Oh, we missed this punctuation or something like that. And uh, that's usually about it. So about we get about four rounds off. and, And after there... Uh, it's like no more tinkering, like no more tinkering needs to be mm-hmm. done because we've gone back and forth enough times. So uh, then Dave is kind of like, you know, the final review. And then after that, we're, we're yeah. good to go. So that's yeah. that's been my week. And um, it's just such a this is kind of like the best part of it all for me, because it, it really does feel like solidified, like, OK, the book is exactly where I want it to be. Um, right now that all that needs to be done after I get it back from Dave is um, combining the word balloons and the tails because I, I typically won't do that until after all of the edits. Uh, I used to make the mistake do- doing the lettering and then connecting the balloons and the tails. And then so if my writer would have any adjustments, I would get annoyed. And I'm like, well, fuck, that's yeah. that's going to screw up my balloon. I'm going to have to redo the balloon and the tail and everything. And um, not until my buddy Tristan, uh, I had him do the letter for me, the lettering for me one issue. He didn't connect any of them. And he goes, oh, yeah, okay, no problem. And um, I had pointed out the tail thing. He goes, oh, no, that's because, you know, if you need corrections. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's that's just so smart. Like, and it's so simple, you know. It's just like, yeah, just have the tail pointing there, but don't connect them until it's all said and done. And and, uh, Mm -hmm. so I've taken that from him. And it's, it's really helpful. And then Ed pointed it out. He's like, hey, um, just so you know, none of the tales. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart guy. I, I don't need your help when it comes to that. <laughs> Act, acting like <laughs> I knew the whole time. Yeah. You know? So um, Exactly. And he goes, oh, okay. And I was just like, yeah, thanks, Tristan. Um, so, yeah, that's been the process. And it's it's really rewarding because I feel like, okay, like all of the hard work is done. Like, And um, now the process is uh, getting the Kickstarter ready and uh prepping that and by having it to launch i think i'm going to aim for january 15th and have it go through uh, the first week of february i don't like doing months i don't like doing a full month for my kickstarter it just feels yeah it feels too long so 15 days feels like enough yeah for sure and i think man if i could get away with it and uh, i just think it's too short is i would do two weeks really but mm-hmm. I honestly think that might be a little too short. So I think 15 days is the way to go. Uh, for me personally, uh, my buddy Mike uh, Kingston, he does, I think, 45 days. So And maybe even 60 sometimes. I think I've seen him do one for 60 before. Uh, but it's it's been a while. I, I don't really keep track of everyone's Kickstarter. But I think at one point I've seen a 45-day a and a 60-day from him. And 
but you know, he generates way more money than I do. He's usually doing graphic novels uh, every single time. So I think he might need the extra time or, you know, it just, mm-hmm. it's helpful in, in general. I'm, I'm probably going to pick his brain when I see him and uh, ask him about that. But uh, yeah, man, I'm at the home stretch and everything's feeling good and uh, I'm excited because that means I get to concentrate on the remaining commissions that I have left, which is I think about five. So I'll be able to knock those out this week and then get started on the second shift 10 going back in time, uh, finishing up this two part story arc and doing the thumbnails for that, um, which is which is kind of crappy. Because I completed the thumbnails to issue 10, but my my iPad, it got it uh, got a bug or something, and the Procreate app, it, it reloaded, and it erased everything that I had on there. So, oh, no. Yeah, man. So all of my thumbnails for issue 10 uh, are gone. And so after that Oof. happened, I was like, I got to back up everything. I got to back up everything. So now uh, when I'm... When I'm at a good good distance on a page or a piece or something, I'll usually back it up to my Google Drive just to be safe because I lost so many pieces uh, from that happening and it was just like, I was like, all of that time is gone. Like there's nothing to account for that time now. So it's pretty brutal. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. So That's rough. All you artists out there, make sure you're backing up your work constantly, especially if you're using uh, uh, an app like Procreate. You know, it's just like, these these tablets are fantastic, but at the same time, you know, there's if if something happens with that app, your work is gone. So make sure you're backing up your stuff. Hey, that's for writers too. You know, I had a scare um, in my novel a while ago, and luckily I had I reached about nine levels into Microsoft, um, you know, version uh, saves and was able to pull it out. But uh, I, I and I had a friend lose 50, 50 pages of a novel. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I mean there, and it depends on, on what you use, but even if you just do like a save it to two places or do a PDF backup and save it somewhere else, you know, I, I use this writing app called Scrivener and Scrivener is its own kind of native application, but you can export a, a rich text file or a couple other versions of it whenever you want. And so every day when my writing's done, I just save it as a rich text file with that date. And, uh, and then that way it, it would be, it's kind of ugly if you open it in something like Microsoft Word um, in the future, if you need to, but uh, it's better than nothing. And you got the words, yeah. right? So, uh, so it's, you know, yeah, always, always back up your work again, two places um, separately. And, and that's probably, that'll help you out a lot. Yeah, for sure. It'll save you. It made me a convert a Google Drive too. Yeah, I do. I do a Google Drive thing. Yeah, and Google Drive. If if you guys are OneDrive users, um, just so you know, you get double the space on Google Drive for the same amount. So I think I think I was paying a dollar ninety nine a month on OneDrive, and um, uh, I think it was maybe a, a gig or two, maybe three. I don't know. But whatever my Google Drive is now, it's double. So. So look into that, you know. Yeah, I think you can I think you can get 15 gig really cheap if not free. But I went ahead and paid. I think it's really cheap. It's like 19.99 a year. Oh yeah, what I say one? Yeah, I'm sorry, I meant gig. I think it is. Yeah, yeah 100 gig. Yeah, 100 gig for yeah. 20 bucks a year. Mhm. And that's what I do. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah. I need I need it, especially for artists. You you're, you're yeah. going to be saving so oh, many yeah. files, you know, your books like and especially if you're doing indie books and you own the project, you're going to want to save um, your flats, your colors, the lettering, 
you know, pretty much every step, like I, I have saved for every issue. So that's going to eat up a lot of space really quickly. And then if you're a, yep. an artist that does a lot of commissions, you're going to want to hold on to those as well. And uh, well, at least I do. I know I do. So I like keeping track of all of that stuff. It holds true for writers too, especially if you're doing comics. Because again, in, in the case of a lot of writers, they're going to have that, you know, CEO of a mini corporation thing like I like I mentioned um, earlier, an episode or two ago. And so you're gonna you're gonna need to have places where multiple artists can kind of push and pull books, um, you know, there or pages. Sorry. So as you're doing that, yeah, that that space is gonna add up really quick. Yeah. You know, some some artists like tiffs and some artists like different formats. Oh, and it, it doesn't take long for you to rack up the gigs. Oh, speaking of losing uh, uh, work, so me and Ed were trying to find the script for issue one, and. W- it's gone. He had an email address that he no longer has. Like, I don't know that, I don't know if it just doesn't exist or he lost the password or something like that. But, uh, he mentioned it. He goes, do you think it was sent from this email address? And I was like, yes, I remember that email address specifically. Cause I thought it was a cool email address. It was like, like, uh, Ed Brown at, newyorkcity.com or something like that like it was some you know it was really cool i was just like what that's that's a cool email how'd you do that you know and so um yeah he didn't he doesn't have it anymore and i think our first scripts and our back and forths were through that email and for whatever reason i don't have them uh, on my email and so it's like we have this this body of work at the very beginning of our or start together that just doesn't exist anymore and it's a uh, it's sad oh man okay well that was uh so that was it for the week man yeah. so it sounds like we can uh we can go ahead and wrap this up all right where can they find you online my friend at uh keith underscore decibel that is me and random stuff and then you can also find the kadoja stuff at kadoja kaiju which is one word and you can find me at scott lost on instagram and twitter s-c-o-t-t-l-o-s-d and facebook.com forward slash got lost. Yeah, and when it comes to websites, I have the keithrfoster.com site. So there's blog stuff there, and um, and I'm going to be updating the pages and things like that. I just made a store live um, that has some a few Kadoja things as well. So uh, so check that out. And you can find my books, The Second Shift, uh, Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day, Superheroes at Night, and Wanders of Melisanda, Humans versus Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs, over at accidentalaliens.com. Um, I also do, uh, uh, I also have a YouTube channel I never talk about. So uh, it's it's me basically reviewing comics that I'm reading and uh, my comic collection, like st- stuff I like to pick up. So if you're interested in seeing what I'm reading and what I collect, go to uh, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash fnrage. That was me from the early aughts with that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is nice. literally uh, F N R A G E, F and Rage. Okay. So yeah, yep. if you if yep. you go to <laughs> YouTube.com forward slash user forward slash F N Rage, you will find my uh, comic reviews there. Yeah, and if you guys have any questions about making comics. And things we haven't talked about, things you guys want to know, things we've touched base on a little bit, you can email us at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. So if you have a minute or two, then head over to the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you're listening to your podcasts on and throw us a review. Um, hopefully a good one. 
because of the entertainment value, but uh, we want you to be honest. But uh, yeah, hit us up, uh, give it a review. That kind of thing is going to help us appear in search engines and uh, and help more people that are out there into comics to check us out. It would be great. And it would be great if it was a five-star review. That was your honest, quote-unquote, review of us. Well, currently, we're sitting at uh, 3-0 and with five stars. We got a five-star review. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. let's make yeah. that number bigger, people. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening to another episode of Making Comics. And we'll see you guys next time. All right, my brother. Next week. Yay, yay. right now hey hey bitch i just hit record right now and you start i just hit and that it. means you just hit you just hit record i did so we are we are two for two and it's time for me to dig a bit deeper into my uh, portfolio here for my my read damn man i've taken a lot of pictures since then apparently i think it's because i did that trip fuck where'd you go uh, I, I didn't tell you about it. We had had this trip planned in the mountains um, to Big Bear. Okay. And it was with a, a, another family or two. And then, you know, coronavirus, this was done like back in October. And we were sharing a house. And then we, we canceled that. But decided that, you know, Airbnbs, you can still go to them if the same people that live in your house are the people in the Airbnb. Right. So that's what we did. We, uh, we booked a really nice spot in Encinitas and uh it was dude it's like overlooking the ocean it was elevated kind of a, you know Encinitas has that cliffy kind of area like a lot of the uh the San Diego County beaches do mm-hmm. and it was just a wonderful view man it was nice and chill um you know I I cracked open a, a bourbon barrel stout on the on the deck and just watched the water for a while and it was wonderful that's awesome wonderful. man yeah sounds good I thought yeah. I saw pictures of you in uh, San Diego locations yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah. well that makes sense now yeah, we just we didn't we didn't do anything. You know, it was like like on one day it was just wake up, figure out what we want to do, walk down to the beach, and then at dinner it was like, well, I guess I'll go pick up dinner, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> That's cool. And that was it. No, I love I yeah. love that stuff. I love staycations. Um, yeah. So this year's been awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, haven't, I haven't fucking gone anywhere. <laughs> this this year, yeah, exactly. It's funny because because um, Gary Hodges mm-hmm. just posted a thing on Facebook a little while ago, and uh, you know, let's just tear this bandaid off right now. We record this about ten days before we air it because I'm uh, we've danced around it a bunch, and at this point, we might as well just be upfront about it. So there is a little bit of a lag there because you know th- we don't do this for a living, um, but we think that's a pretty nice little timeline, right? So uh, so as a result. Um, Gary, Gary posted a thing on, you know, what, what are you looking forward to the most to do once the pandemic's over? And I mentioned conventions and live concerts. Those are the two things that I'm really looking forward to. Again, I'm looking forward to conventions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am too, to a degree. Um, I will say that it, they can be very stressful to me um, just because, like, financially, not that it puts a strain on me, but I'm so aware of, like, 
needing to make the table back and make a profit. Yeah. Is this worth my time, etc.? But I, I think once you get people buying your books, it it does make it worth it. You know what I mean? Like I do still always want to make the table back. I'm I'm on a seven year streak of always making the table back plus plus profit. So I want to keep that yeah. rolling. But um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that and uh, traveling. To be honest, I haven't. Yeah. You know, I, I got I started getting used to traveling once a year. Like that was a that was a a yearly goal a few years back was to go on one vacation a year that wasn't just a staycation, like to actually go somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere new. And um, I had been keeping it up, and then the pandemic hit, and then so that stopped. But yeah, my my buddy wants to do, to go to New Orleans next year, so I've never been there, so that sounds it, that's going to be fun. New Orleans is awesome. When are you going? When like are you going during a certain time? I can make a recommendation if you if you haven't set it. I will let you know. Um, or, or you oh yeah. you have a recommendation on like time like what time of year? Yeah, go during Jazz Fest. Go during Jazz when's Fest. Jazz Fest? Um, Jazz Fest is two weekends. The first one is at the end of April. It's it's the first week, the last weekend in April, and the first weekend in May is generally when it okay. is, and it's only those two weekends. Okay, and it's a massive thirteen stage concert, roughly in a racetrack area. I mean, who knows what it is now, you know? But um, but I did go to it a long time ago after Katrina, so. It's, you know, it it was still there after Katrina. I can only assume it still keeps cranking along as long as we're not in a pandemic. Okay. But um, right around now would usually be when they announce the headliners. But it is amazing. Just just the festival itself. There's a mainstream stage or two. You know, they've had headliners like Lenny Kravitz and people like that. Is that when his Um, uh, ball bag came out? Uh, is that an album or is that a reference to something? Uh, when his his leather pants split and his uh, dingle oh. and his berries came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I number one, I probably wasn't there that year. And number two, I wasn't watching Lenny Kravis. <laughs> right. Uh, because the, the, the great thing about a lot of these stages is there's there's a Zydeco stage. There's a gospel tent. There's a soul stage. There are multiple jazz stages. You know, that's the best part about it. You can just walk around the whole thing and uh, go to all these cool places. And like whether people like gospel or not, I can't say enough good things about the gospel tent. It's amazing. Okay. I mean, when I say tent, I mean, you sit in one place and for 12 hours, a rotation of people play every day for a grand total of like eight days. And then you multiply that by about 13. And that's how many bands are there to play jazz fest. Oh, it's wow. incredible. That's crazy. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely uh, put that in the the minds of my buddy and uh, our friends, whoever whoever's going to decide to go. There's going to be a small group of us, so um, yeah, yeah. I, it's all dependent on him, especially because he has uh, compromised health. He actually had a kidney yeah. transplant, so he's Ooh, boy. Yeah. yeah. So he's really staying put during the pandemic. So um, yeah, it's all dependent on when he wants to go. I'm I'm down down for it whenever he is. So. Let's let's hope uh, late April, early May is is on target. Yeah, I mean, there's no bad time to go to New Orleans, except me. I w- I would say actually there is. Now that I think about it, don't go in the summer because the humidity is thick. Okay, it is it is intolerable. Um, I used I used to be able to tolerate it because I grew up in Texas, but uh, these days I think I I just complain the whole time and melt and do all those things. Right? Yeah. We're we're we have no reference for that anymore, given the the good old dry heat that's out here in Southern California. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I'm I'm born and raised San Diego, so as a San yeah, Diegan, I'm dude. used to perfect weather, 
And anything that's not yeah. perfect is very bothersome. Yeah, it's it's like 93 and just air as so thick you feel like you can just like bite it <laughs> in the summer. Um, so I would I would avoid it. You know, okay. if, if you're not going in April and May, then don't go until October. Yeah, that sounds yeah, that honestly, that sounds like a really good time. Uh, April, May, because yeah. before it gets way too hot. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can, you can go all the time. The music's always good. The food's always amazing. It's the most damn fun. Uh, I, yeah, I want to try some, uh, what are they called? Beignets? Beignets? Beignets. Beignets. Oh, yeah, man. Beignets. Yeah, yeah. beignets. Beignets. And mm-hmm. um, gumbo. I want to try those things. Don't skimp on the jambalaya. Right? Jambalaya, jambalaya. yeah, I might have already. Yeah, John, I like jambalaya more than gumbo. It's, ba- I mean, gumbo is basically kind of a spicy soup that you throw all kinds of shit in. Jambalaya is that, but a rice dish. Oh, I mean, I, I know I'm oversimplifying. Someone from New Orleans or Louisiana is probably gonna find me and punch me in the face. But you know, that's <laughs> it's reductive, but not wrong. Okay, you know all what right. I mean. And by the way, I lived in Mobile, Alabama for a year and Houston for 12 years. I've been to New Orleans a couple dozen times, so I'm not I'm not a complete moron. I'm only a semi-moron. Got it. When it comes to this. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, there's dude, there's so many if you go, just just hit your boy up and I can give you some places to Okay, go. perfect. Hell yeah. All right, should we get this thing rolling? I think we should. I think we should. Okay. It's my turn, right? <laughs> 